You're listening to Leading L&D, the podcast that brings you insights, strategies, and stories from the people at the forefront of learning and development. I'm Adrian West, and today we'll be talking with Dr. Pune Lari, who is an associate professor at North Carolina State University in the training and development area, where she has been for some 20 years producing from their ranks, from their student ranks, those who will be leading L&D into the future. It's a, it's a recruiting pool for many, for many businesses here in the Triangle, and especially for ours, where we specialize in recruiting instructional designers. Thanks for joining us today, Pune. Uh, you and I have known each other by now for a few years. I think we met mostly in a social context with ATD, is that right? Yes, yes, yes. We have been together a long time and uh, I'm really glad to be here this morning and the opportunity to participate uh, in this fantastic uh, podcast. Well, I really wanted to get up with you in particular because I know that you've been an expert at preparing L&D professionals. You've done this for a number of years and we have great respect for North Carolina State University's programs. Tell me a little bit about the program itself, uh, where it comes from, how many people are involved, and what's your involvement? Well, um, we are, our program is a master's program. Mm -hmm. Um, We are in the Department of Educational Leadership Policy and Human Development. That's a mouthful. Yes, it is. (laughs) ELPHD. And um, the training and development program is a master of education. It is 36 credit hours and it's 100% online, which provides a great opportunity for our colleagues out in the field who are working full time to be able to attend this program without um, having to be in a certain place at a certain time and have the flexibility to still pursue their education and growth and career development. So wait a minute now, so this isn't a full-time program and it's not something where people just matriculate right from their undergraduate degree into this? People do. If they want to come up from the undergraduate level, um, they are very much welcome and we are happy to have them. We do have several undergraduate folks who, uh, through my time as program coordinator, have come through our program. Um, Most of our students, however, do come um, from the professional field and they are non-traditional students. But we look forward to having more of our traditional students matriculate into our master's program because it provides a great opportunity for them to be able to get a um, uh, insight into what the field of learning and development and training and development has to offer through this program. And it opens many doors, it really does, because there are so many careers you could pursue coming out of this program. In my world, as a staffing agency that specializes in learning and development, instructional design, if you will, um, we are often looking for people from your program and we, our customers often send people from their departments to your program for further education. And so we have become very well acquainted with NCSU and and the success of the program over there. Can you tell me if leaders were 
looking to sponsor their staff um, into advanced L&D credentials, what sorts of investments in time would those staff members be looking at? So uh, usually when folks come into our program, for, let's say as part-time students, taking one or two courses, uh, they commit for a time frame of perhaps two, two and a half years. Okay. To complete this program, the 36 credit hours or the 12 courses. What about the, the financial commitment that they would face in getting a, a master's degree? I think you have a certificate program too, is that right? That's right. We have a certificate program which is uh, 15 credit hours. Okay. And this is um, all out of our master's catalog. So they are taking five of the 12 courses and they can walk away with uh, a special specialized uh, certificate that is made up of a combination of our master's program. So you can walk away with a community college teaching certificate, talent development certificate, instructional design. So we have a whole host of types of certificates that people can complete uh, and walk away with the certificate. Our customers are looking for what's in it for them. So in many cases, if they wanted to bring in an internship to do ID work, or if they were to expecting to get somebody a master's degree in that sort of discipline, um, what would be the skill sets and experience that they could expect people coming out of your program to have? Walking out of this program, you walk away with a, an amalgam of skill sets. Whether specifically taught as, as part of our curriculum being instructional design, um, needs assessment specifically, evaluation of training programs, assessments, research skills, they come away as part of these interactions. They come away with team management, collaboration skills, time management, um, negotiation skills, as you work really? with... Yes. Uh, as you work with many different colleagues in this program, in teams. So you need to be able to, one of the things that we do talk about is, okay, so how can we agree to disagree? How can we negotiate on the outcomes of this project? How can we talk about it and make sure that what we want aligns with our client goals? Well, that, um, that brings me to a couple of points. Um, I think that it's very often the case where there needs to be an alignment between the L&D professionals and, say, the C-suite or senior management within a company for strategic goals. I mean, you, the L&D professional needs to know what the objectives are strategically for the company in order to be able to align with how they prepare with their course assets the people that come through the, the courses that they offer. Yes, so one of the things um, with colleagues coming into, and I like to call them colleagues, I, I don't like oh, to great. call it, address them as students because a lot of times these are colleagues that perhaps I have had the opportunity to work in some capacity with them. So um, when colleagues come into this program, 
you know, uh, first of all, we assign an advisor, and in that advising session, we talk about what are your goals, what do you want to do with this program, how is this going to enhance your career. So then, in conversation, we're able to align ultimately. Uh, their professional goals out of this program and what they want to go back to the organization and do. Then how does that align with the organizational goal of wanting to have these staff trained to be able to reach some sort of an outcome? So you see? do you have classes in these kinds of ne- negotiations and alignment with strategic goals and that sort of thing? Or These are part of our organizational development courses, organizational change courses. So, yes, we have courses that do specifically address these things, but as courses that in in some of our courses, we have uh, real-life projects that we bring in. And within those projects, there are all sorts of conversations informally that take place. So our program, the TND program, lies under the program area of adult and lifelong education, right? So it's not really all the curriculum that is that you're learning. There are all sorts of informal learning within a formal education that takes place. And this is with conversation with colleagues, um, conversation with um, guest speakers that we bring into our program, and a lot of informal conversation leads to learning for them. Well, uh, certainly there has to be a, uh, a p- career path in mind as people come through the program or any program like this. And um, how does that involve what you call a capstone project? What is a capstone project and how does that align with somebody's goals for what they take back to their company or to a new opportunity? So the capstone project, uh, as part of the capstone project, the students are required to, you're building really, it's a portfolio course, right? Okay. So you are taking your prized uh, submissions and projects through the semester, and you are bringing these into these courses, and it becomes a reflective piece of how these main projects that you have worked so hard for and you're proud of how do they link? What are the themes that come out? For example, it could be instructional design, it could be leadership, um, it could be in evaluation. We have a person who graduated recently from our program, and this person's goal was to become uh, strong in evaluation skills as he leaves the program. So he concentrated on that to make him an expert in evaluation of training programs when he comes up. So as part of his, uh, as part of his capstone, he was able to build a project uh, that would ultimately bring these pieces all together. Do you publish these capstone projects so that they might be available for others that wanted to learn from them? We have not. We have not. Okay. But that's a great idea. Yeah. Um, the evaluation in particular is something that strikes me because I know that in many cases uh, corporate L&D doesn't follow through much with an evaluation or doesn't have strict measurement criteria for how the success of a course is evaluated. 
So it would be something that could be very useful to people as a published library. Absolutely, absolutely. That's a great idea. Mm -hmm. When people come through for internships, uh, I, I'm talking about companies now, when they come to, through to find people for internships, uh, is there something that you have that's structured to involve how you might satisfy those needs um, to, to provide your students as interns to business? Or is that something you thought about? Uh, we, we offer internships as students request it. Okay, and so someone would come to your program and say, I have this sort of an internship that I want to offer, and um, then you would bring that summary of the internships to your students and see who would want to be involved in the yes, program? Yes, like yes, yes, yes. Uh, so we make, as at the beginning of the program, is that, you know, if anybody needs an internship or would like to complete an internship, they make the request. But also, if things come across my desk, saying a company approaches me and say we need, um, and we have an internship available if any of your students would want to participate in or we have these types of job openings, then I send it to my listserv of students to see who is interested and then we deal with that one-on-one. -on -one. I know that you have a PhD program as well that's connected to the TND program and tell me a little bit about that and what's the purpose of that. Is it, is it different than your master's program? And uh, do people tend to matriculate from your master's program into a PhD? Our, uh, our PhD program is in educational leadership policy and human development with specialization in adult and lifelong education. Okay. We have a, a number of students who, once they finish our master's program in training and development, or our other master's program in adult ed, they apply to our PhD program. Um, what that does is brings you into uh, the expertise in the field uh, in the sense of uh, conducting research mm -hmm. and being ingrained in the academic side of this equation. So would you say that by and large the end game for PhD, getting a PhD in this program would be a teaching uh, career path? So here's a, that's, a, that's a great point. So we have folks that have graduated out of our PhD program into, uh, into academia, mm -hmm. becoming professors, but then they have taken higher leadership positions within their organization, which required higher credentials to be in that position within their organization. When you say their organization, that could be a corporate entity. Yes, 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 within, within the corporate side. So uh, whether they are director or coordinator of the L&D department, mm -hmm. or whether they are leading their organization, the company, the institute. Well, that um, makes sense because within, uh, yeah. we, have, we have seen uh, a number of chief learning officer positions come up over the years, and typically those people will either have a PhD or will be 
attracted to get a PhD so that they'll have a higher level of credentialing for leadership and, and that sort of thing. Right. Some of the positions been uh, been in institutional effectiveness, for example. Okay. So, uh, learning and evaluation. Uh, so, it go, it, it's in a higher level in the organization where they are leading a number of folks within different departments, within being in uh, training and development, in assessment and evaluation in the organization. So those positions allows them to uh, have more gain over the organization. Well, it does seem like it would be a, a broadening of horizons, if you will, yes. because it goes from uh, an L&D focus to more of a, an OD. It does. And or maybe crosses the line so that they're doing more than just what they had been done doing prior to taking a CLO position or getting a PhD. That's very accurate. Yes. Okay. Well, um, I, I, I have personal passions about bringing people from your organization into corporate L&D, and so uh, you and I have been involved in a lot of mentoring, as I would say, more than coaching, <laughs> to, to bring people along and to help them, even with simple things like how to bone up their, uh, their, their uh, networking status, how to get to know the right people, and how to talk to those people, how to be involved in um, other people's spheres because there are many different paths you can take with learning and development and uh, that can be from pharma to finance, banking. We have a lot of customers in our world that uh, don't cross boundaries very, very much mm -hmm. other than with the disciplines that they're selling um, to the clientele within their companies. but. I'm really glad that you have given us a path to bring people to corporate L&D with real skill sets and real proof to the worth of learning and development to an organization because and you and I were talking offline earlier about the fact that the, in layoffs with bigger companies often the feeling is that learning and development is targeted, but my feeling is that there can be uh, a countermeasure to that, meaning that learning and development does have a purpose, a profit motive within the corporation, and a real st strategic voice in the room. That's a very good point. Uh, when there are layoffs, and these folks have been laid off out of T&D and L&D roles, uh -huh. Um, they apply to our program and they come join our program uh, to go and retool and reskill and upskill within the field and we're able to launch their, uh, their careers again into the L&D field mm -hmm. because there's much value in being able to create uh, the types of training that provides the right outcomes that the objectives are aligned with the outcomes, with the goals of an organization. Uh -huh. And these folks who come through the program are trained with the know-how and the skills and the latest trends in the industry to be able to go back and 
to join an organization that values that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me because uh, you know it's a very competitive world out there, and if you can upskill and retrain and uh, improve the outcomes of your workforce, then that flows right down to the bottom line. And so it really does make sense that people who might have been laid off from one organization can get new skills to relaunch with better purpose, better outcomes, and more focus um, through your program. Absolutely. A lot of times uh, I, I see colleagues who have um, fallen <laughs> for lack of a better term, fallen into this career. So coming after having done this by experience, then they come to us to solidify what they know, to Very be good. able to gain an understanding of the foundation, of the, theoretic, the, the theoretical foundations and the framework of what they do. So they can explain the whys. You were doing it because it worked. You were doing it because you learned yeah, yeah. by experience, like right? Yeah. But now you can talk about it and you can frame it in, a, in, a, in an argument, in a conversation. You have the science behind it. Right, exactly. So that, that makes a lot of sense and it sells well to the, to the C-suite, I would think, too. That you have real credentials, real purpose, real, a real plan for a taking the business to a higher level through training of the workforce for that purpose. Absolutely. Um, I, wanted to, I wanted to ask you uh, a little bit of an off-the-wall question, and uh, forgive me for doing this, but um, I know that you talked about accidental, accidentally falling into a career path of sorts, and uh, I know I have, and uh, I know many people who have. Uh, can you tell me, let's just pretend for a moment that you're your 20-year-old self and you're at the dinner table with your parents and you're explaining them what you do today. You're explaining to them what it's like to be a, a PhD and uh, that that's what you want to do as a, as a career path. What would they say about that? Uh, <laughs> they'd be surprised. <laughs> you know, they have they they were they were my parents were always uh, about books. So a house with no books in it has no meaning. Mm -hmm. There were magazines all over the place. I remember my father's an academia. So they were paper clips. My biggest memory growing up were of paper clips <laughs> everywhere. When I vacuumed, there were paper clip sounds. <laughs> so I have great love for paper clips. But, but uh, they'd be surprised, uh, pleasantly surprised, that I am in this role. Uh, that I was able, through those dinner table conversations, which we still have after so many years, really? as grown adults, as uh, older people now that sit around the table, my family of, my original family of four, um, our dinner table conversations as often about our paths that we took mm -hmm. professionally and where we are now. And uh, my father and my mother are so pleasantly surprised, I don't know, pleasantly pleased 
let's not say surprised, of the path that we've taken and where we are now and the influence they've had just through those informal dinner conversations of what did you learn today? How did it go today? So teaching skills like critical reflection Mm-hmm. At a younger age, which you wouldn't call it that at, the, at that time, but now you are <laughs> able... It wouldn't make any sense. No, did. no, no. <laughs> Absolutely. You're able to put technical terms, professional terms, to skills that they were offering around those dinner table conversations. It's got to be great for uh, your parents to have real evidence that they had influence Absolutely. in those conversations around the dinner table. Yes, both myself and my sibling, we give much credit to these conversations to both my parents and where we're at today. So, so you turned out just like they wanted you to. I think so. I think so. I think so. <laughs> we should also be so lucky. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, you, you, you want to make your parents proud or, you know, you, you tend to try your best to make them proud. So I think... I think we may have accomplished more or less where they envisioned us to be. I didn't see myself here 20 years ago, perhaps, but uh, I'm glad that I am in this position to be able to. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It really is a pleasure having you and uh, you know getting to know you as well as I have over the past few years. It's really a delight to um, bring you onto the show and talk a little bit about what you do professionally. So, thank thank you. you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, there's always so much to learn in conversation from you. And um, thank you so much for supporting our program. Thanks for joining us today. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe and give us five stars. Even better yet, enter your comments to the LinkedIn post and tell us what we might do better next time.